0: Been teaching on Revelation forever. This is uh, I don't know just since last year, and uh, this is actually um, um, this is lesson twenty-two, and in lesson twenty-two we're all the way to Revelation chapter twelve. So if you're new online or you're new here, you haven't listened to everything. It's all on audio and video. It's all on our website. I even published my notes on the website. You can go and preach them. So anyway, it's all there. But we're going line upon line, precept upon precept uh, uh, through the book of Revelation. I'm really grateful to God and I really thank Him that he, uh, he appeared to Jesus, appeared to John on the Isle of Patmos in the Aegean Sea way back in the first century, uh, and, uh, and shared with Him what's going to be happening, the culmination of the age, what it's going to look like when Jesus comes back. You know, if you understand uh, just the end time scenario, you know it keeps it from being freaky and spooky. I don't like freaky and spooky things. Some of you might like Halloween but I don't I don't observe it. And I don't like freaky and spooky things. If I think about my future, I, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that God has showed us the pattern and plan that will come to pass on planet Earth before Jesus comes back. And the uncanny thing is, it's all happening right in front of us. I was listening to somebody today, and they mentioned how that if you study history, the people going through really, really climactic, earth-shattering, changing things in any culture, they're usually blind to what's going on. They don't see the effects of the... Changes. Sometimes the huge changes that are taking p- place in the era of time that they're living in. It's only after he hits the history books that people look back and say, "Wow, look at that!" And then somebody said, "Well, I lived through that, but while you're living through it, it's like it was just kind of hum ho." So I think a lot of people may be hum hoing about today. What I want you to know is, from my vantage point, what I know from Scripture is Jesus could be, could be easily be coming back in our lifetime. And, and it's really, really exciting, and if you know the Bible very well, the, uh, the issues in the Middle, Middle East are ripening very, very rapidly, and uh, there's just so much I could I could rattle on for the rest of the time. I don't have the time to do that except to say that we really could be the generation, and uh, so if you'll look, I've got an end times uh, chart. If you'll put that chart up here, and I've got a little there we go. Uh, a little end times chart. And this is how I want to introduce for the next while. We've talked so much about the book of Revelation. I'd like to give you a real quick brief synopsis of where we are in the book. There's rhyme and reason to the book. It's not as difficult to understand uh, as you may realize. So we're going through the book chapter by chapter by chapter. So here's the end time scenario. And we've been through these things. At some point, a person is going to affirm a covenant that's made with Israel, a covenant of peace with their neighbors. And I mentioned this last week, maybe the week before. Back in September, there was, a, there was a, a, just a, a huge agreement between Israel, the UAE, and now there are several other nations that are coming on board with an agreement with Israel, uh, a financial agreement, agreements to you know send emissaries from each country to the other. And that hasn't happened, y'all, that hasn't happened ever, ever. So it's really a big deal. At some point, a person called Antichrist who's against Christianity, against the things of God, against the things that we as Christians know, believe and love, will, will come along with that and, and confirm that covenant when he does. That begins a seven-year process of Jesus returning. Uh, Daniel nine twenty seven. God revealed to uh, Daniel the prophet 2,500 years ago, there's a period of seven years that have not yet been fulfilled in Jewish history. And that's the last seven years of of this age before Jesus comes back. And it starts with a covenant being signed and the man we call Antichrist agreeing with it. That starts a process. So we've taught that in detail in the past. If you want more, uh, you can go back and look. Uh, The rapture of the church is in view. I keep seeing it week after week after week. And let me just say my vantage point of the rapture is that, that it's not gonna happen for a period of time. A lot of people think it could happen any second of any hour, of any moment, of any day. Jesus said we didn't, wouldn't know the day or hour, but we can know the season. Uh, and we are in the season of the return of Christ for the rapture to occur a number of things have to come to pass to begin with. So my vantage point, feel free to disagree with me, but here's what I encourage you to do. Just don't take someone's word for it. Search the scriptures to see whether these things be so. There was a group of people called the Bereans in the book of Acts, and they just wanted to, you know, if they heard something, they had to go check it out, so check out what I say. And uh, I had a belief system that said the rapture is gonna occur before the Antichrist reveals himself. About 10 years ago, God dealt with me uh, my belief system now, after studying the scriptures very, very thoroughly, an in-depth hour after, I don't know how many hours I've spent reading, 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 praying, reading, crying, repenting, and now it's pre-wrath. Jesus will take us away from this earth before the wrath of God falls. Most people think, again, this seven years is, is, is the wrath of God. It's not just a portion of it's the wrath of God. Very last part. The day of the Lord begins the wrath of God. We've talked about that in the past, but we're gonna probably see the rise of the Antichrist and we'll see some real tumult in the Middle East. It may come to America according to how we vote. It's according to what you do November 3rd, Right. Nonetheless, the antichrist will appear. You're going to see him appear. A lot of believers think we'll be whisked away. I hope they're right. If they're not, hang out, come and see me. I got some things to share with you. We're sharing them tonight. So the covenant is signed. And then Jesus talked about birth pains. And then Revelation chapter six talks about seals on a scroll in God's right hand that are opened up. There's seven seals on a scroll. And uh, those seven seals... um, uh, have to do with a number of things that happen right after the Antichrist affirms and confirms a covenant. He rises up. He says he's a man of peace, turns out to be a man of war. Wars begin. Uh, the third seal, there's a scroll in God's right hand, which is God's title deed to this planet. The seals open up. We've talked about that in detail. So here it is, One, two. Uh, three, famine, famine occurs during that terrible time. Then three and a half years into the time after the Antichrist confirms a covenant, uh, the midpoint, uh, he desecrates a rebuilt Jewish temple. It's called the Abomination of Desolation. And, and he just uh, he just aggravates the Jews silly and turns against them and desecrates their temple. They get really upset. And then he shows his true colors and he begins to persecute Jews like they have not been persecuted in a long, long time. Uh, actually worse than the Holocaust ever was. It's a terrible time. He then also begins to persecute Christians. That's called the great tribulation. Jesus said, unless the, that time was shortened, Matthew 24, uh, 21, unless those days were shortened, no no, no believers would be saved because uh, for the sake of the elect, they're shortened. So right here, the... the um, um, Right here is the midpoint to the tribulation. Then uh, the wrath of the Antichrist uh, is full force. I mean, there's death, there's martyrdom. And then how long is that going to last? So you figure once that covenant sign, three and a half years, maybe another another year to a year and a half is the great tribulation where those days are shortened or, or no believing flesh would be saved. So just figure out, oh, I'm trying to give you a scenario. So you figure out from the time we see the rise of the Antichrist, the treaty sign, you got about ish, five ish years. About it. And the rapture will occur. The telltale sign, the rapture will occur is that sixth seal that is broken on the scroll in God's right hand. Uh, in Revelation 6, the sun, moon, and stars lose their luster. The sun begins to shine less brightly as does the moon, the stars, and it's a telltale sign from heaven. It's a cosmic disturbance that says, "Friends, get ready. You're about to. Gravity's losing its hold, and you're going to heaven." And that's kind of exciting and scary at the same time. But we may experience this, so just be aware. The rapture is is right after. You know, maybe a year, year and a half after the uh, antichrist turncoats on Israel, right here at the midpoint. Got another year, year and a half, and then the sixth seal is broken. Jesus talked about it in Matthew twenty-four, twenty-nine through thirty-one, and then, and then once that occurs, then uh, and then the, the the day of the Lord begins. So we've talked about all these things. Uh, Revelation chapter seven. There's one hundred and forty-four thousand Jews. I'll talk about this in a minute that uh, have some kind of invisible in the spirit world seal where God protects them so that they go through this terrible cut time called the day of the lord where it really is the wrath of god again the churches whisk away before the wrath of god falls that time period is called in the bible both old and new testament the day of the lord so right here the day of the lord it's also so the time of these seven years that is the wrath of god we're, we're not gonna be here for God's wrath. There's nothing in scriptures that says we're immune from persecution, that we're immune from the wrath of the Antichrist. No, we're gonna be persecuted. All that live godly in Christ Jesus suffer persecution, but God will not pour his wrath out on his own people who's Jesus, whom Jesus' blood has redeemed. Is that good news? So just before this day of the Lord begins, then uh, the, the, the rapture will whisk us out of here right after that sixth seal that we've talked about in past lessons is broken. And then Revelation chapter 8 and chapter 9 talks about eight trump, uh, seven trumpets that blow, actually six trumpets that blow. And these trumpets that blow, the first one actually begins the day of the Lord or the wrath of God. And and really, this is a really strange time on earth. It is coming. So I'm telling you, if you've got friends, co-workers, family members, children, grandchildren. You don't want them to be on earth during that time. I promise you, you don't want to be here. This is when nature uh, goes into upheaval and actually turns against the human race. God just opens it up and says, okay, here it is. Destruction is coming. Get yourself ready. You rebelled against me, so all of my protection is taken away. And, um, And so the trumpets blow, trumpet one, trumpet two, uh trumpet three trumpet four these trumpets blow looks like meteorites fall from the sky pollute the water the vegetation turns brown it dies uh the grass the trees the um bushes and such and and then the uh salt and fresh water is polluted many die from the polluted water and and then the atmosphere their atmospheric changes the sun again loses even more of its luster the stars lose their luster. I, don't, I just love sunshine, and it's really going to be affected. So meteorites, it looks like, is the cause of that. They could cause, scientifically, just cause such clouding in the atmosphere. The rays of the sun can't get here. Really, really causes a big problem for the human race. And then the, um, uh, I think it's uh, Trumpet 5, Trumpet 6 This is when demon spirits are let loose out of the bottomless pit. It's a really strange time. These people are not saved. The rapture's occurred. The church is not here. Aren't you glad you're not here for anything I'm saying right now? So we've talked about this in detail. It's all in audio video. But nonetheless, uh, they, they begin to attack the people that are here. The people who trust themselves. It's people who mock and slur God and his word. People who want to live any way they want to live and they thumb their nose at God and say, I don't care what you think. I don't care what you say. You know, God will let you be anything you want to be y'all one day payday comes it's not god's will it's not god's plan but if you don't want god's will god will let you have your own and the end of our own will is death it always is death and destruction always so if you're watching i see i feel the holy spirit if you're watching and you're doing your own thing and you're laughing at me you know what one day a payday will come for you i don't want that to happen to you you'll yield to jesus He'll change your life. If you're in the room and you've got yearnings and desires that are ungodly and for some reason you just want to do what you want to do and you know what God says but you still do what you want to do, just be aware payday comes. And and you know, the only way to forego that kind of payday is to repent, let Jesus forgive and cleanse your sin. Then you're an heir of the mercy of God. Is that good news? So anyway, we'll end on a good note there. So anyway, six trumpets blow, Revelation 8, Revelation 9, Revelation 10... Revelation chapter 10, a mighty angel comes down, puts a foot on the ground, a foot on the waters, and it's actually that mighty angel, I believe, is the Lord Jesus Christ. got a small scroll in his hand, and he's revealing what's about to happen, and really is revealing what's going to be happening in the last three and a half years of that seven year period. And, uh, Revelation 10 talks about this mighty angel. And then Revelation chapter 11, the scroll that is in Jesus, that mighty angel's hand, is un- unrolled. And we talked about that last time, last couple of times, and that scroll is unrolled, a Jewish temple is rebuilt, and Revelation 11 is talking about the last three and a half years of that seven-year period that's coming up that people typically call the tribulation. It's actually Daniel's 70th week. So we've talked about that in detail in the past. I'm just trying to say these things catch up those that haven't been here. Nonetheless, Revelation 11 talks about a rebuilt temple. And then there are two two prophets from the Old Testament that rise back up. Now, the Bible doesn't say who they are. It could be Elijah and Moses. We really don't know. But they, for three and a half years, are going to be in the city of Jerusalem while the Antichrist is ruling, while while he's persecuting Jews and Christians by score in the Middle East and other parts of the world that will allow his reign. And uh, they're going to be there preaching the gospel, saying, don't listen to the Antichrist. Don't listen to him. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And they'll call down... I mean, they do strange things. They... They cause judgments to fall, lightning comes from heaven, maybe meteorites, Some um, uh, famines occur, it won't rain. By their word, they're just like the Old Testament prophets, just like things that Elijah did when he said, by my word, there'll be no rain, or, or when fire came down on the prophets of Baal, by his word, and uh, or in Moses' time when the 10 plagues came against the gods of the Egyptians. It'll be things like that but that will occur through those two witnesses talked about that in revelation 11 the seventh trumpet blows their trumpet judgments that, that happen we're in heaven during this time that seventh trumpet blows jesus returns revelation eleven fifteen. 15 we talked about it in detail last time and then the rest of revelation 11 it's a scene in heaven they're just worshiping and praising god that god's rulership of earth is once again into its beginning and the final phases of god 's cleansing the earth of all rebellion and all sin and of satan 's uh, rulership it 's coming to a dramatic and climactic close and here we are tonight, so here we are we 've been through we 've been through these seven trumpets here we are we 're still in the day of the lord we 're still in the wrath of God. I mentioned also that we 're already and, 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 and so here we are revelation twelve it goes back and gives you another brief overview. Of, uh, of God's scheme for end-time things, and that's really what Revelation 12 is. Revelation 13, it's actually gonna go back to the last three and a half years of Daniel's uh, 70th week, the three and a half years of that seven years, and uh, it's gonna talk about the Antichrist rule, how mean, how torturous he is, how terrible he is to Jews and Christians, and then there's a mark that he has every person that's gonna do any kind of economic trade, Uh, They have to get on there, but we'll talk about that in detail. Might not get through with Revelation 13, the whole chapter next time, but it'll be interesting. This time there's an interlude again. Just like uh, Revelation 7 was an interlude where God marked 144,000 Jews so they wouldn't die during this wrath of God terrible time. And then it looks like a scene in heaven where the rapture of the church has occurred and and a large number of of people, so large that that John had never seen that many people. And they were worshiping and praising God and they came out of the great tribulation. That's Revelation 7. It was an interlude before the wrath of God started in Revelation 8. So we've got another interlude here with Revelation chapter 12. And Revelation chapter 12 just gives you an overarching idea and view of God's plan and what he is doing with end time things and it lets you know his scheme and what is in his mind. So turning your Bible to Revelation 12, it didn't take too long, that worked out, out all right. And let's go through Revelation 12 real quickly. Just verse by verse, it's easier to understand than you may realize. And so Revelation 12 is looking back over the years of time to give us a broad view of what's happening. As God retakes the earth from Satan, it was given to him in Adam and Eve's sin. He became the, the, um, the, the ruler of the earth, the prince of this world, the God of this age. Paul said in Second Corinthians 4.4, 4, that rulership is taken away from him. And uh, so this is talking about just the grand scheme of that Revelation twelve one. This is New King James says now a great sign appeared in heaven. So here's John again. He's he's on the Isle of Patmos in the Aegean Sea. He has these visions, and here it is again. He looks up and he sees a great sign in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, and the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Now. Often God will use metaphors that mean things, and we need to understand what they mean. Some of the Bible is that way, and you know, often when God speaks to you in dreams, it's, it's metaphors, it's, it's things that mean things. There's meaning behind things. So if you got a dream, you don't forget; just write it down and and say, God, what what are you saying? I've got a dream book in my office. That's really good. That'll help you know what some of those words mean. Well, then, now here he had a vision, and all of these things mean something: the woman, the sun, the moon under her feet. The garland of twelve stars. What do they mean? Well, this sign number one is an uh, the Greek word means an authenticating mark, showing that the message is coming from God Himself. So the Lord speaking to John, He's on the Isle of Patmos, and and He sees He sees this sign in heaven. He says, "God, God, saying, I want you to understand what I'm talking about here. So listen, listen carefully. I want you to know that this is from Me. You know, Moses did signs." Uh, against the gods of the Egyptians when he went to Pharaoh saying, let my people go. And those signs were authenticating marks in the earth that God is God and that what Moses was saying was true. Uh, And so again, the sign that he saw this woman in heaven is an authenticating mark that this really did come from the Lord. This woman, you know, some people think it's very the Catholics teach that this woman is Mary. This woman is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. I 'm sorry if you 're an ex-Catholic or maybe you 're a Catholic watching. I do not see that it 's Mary, the mother of Jesus. No, really, this woman is actually referring to uh, is referring to the descendants of Abraham. It's talking about the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel gave birth to our Savior. The nation of Israel, I mean, really, we are indebted to that nation. Uh, God made a promise with Abraham and from that promise, the uh, blessings of God came into the earth. Notice again, Genesis chapter 12, the first three verses, New Living Translation. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you, make you famous and you'll be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Any blessing that we have from heaven comes through Abraham. Jesus came through Abraham. How many understand? We're indebted to the Jewish race. Now, they they don't believe. most, Most do not believe that Jesus is Messiah. They're not Messianic Jews. We have some Messianic Jews, but by and large, they do not believe that Jesus is the Messiah. One day, the blinders will will come off of them all of this prophecy of of Israel blessing Israel being the beginning stage and again Israel is that is that woman that he saw in the clouds there begin with genesis 3 all of this started with genesis 3:15 God said I will cause hostility between you speaking to the serpent Satan and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring now the offspring of the woman That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is the first prophecy in the Bible that a woman will beget a man Uh, that doesn't come from natural generation from a man and a woman. It's a supernatural seed. The seed is always of the man, but this verse says there will be a seed of the woman, Uh, the offspring, I think the King James says, between your seed and her seed. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. That is the seed of the woman Satan will strike your head or take your authority away from you one day and you will strike his heel. There's a bitter persecution of God's people, both Old and New Testament that has ensued all throughout the Bible. And there's a string of that, both Old and New Testament because Satan has so resented God coming on the scene with his tremendous love and creating a plan of redemption revealed to us through the word by the Holy Ghost. Isn't that awesome? But Satan can't stand it. So again, this woman, she's clothed with the sun. And this woman, again, it's the nation of Israel, clothed with the sun is a reference to the favor and honor of God upon Israel. God said, through Israel, the whole world will be blessed. The favor of God comes when you honor him. And even now, uh, Israel is such a special place to God. The Bible calls Jerusalem the city of the great king. You know the are three major religions that believe that Israel and that Jerusalem is uh, belongs to them, nonetheless, nonetheless, uh, we as believers understand we understand that the favor of God is upon Israel because from Israel came our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter nine, listen to this. They are the people of Israel chosen to be God's adopted children. God revealed his glory to him. So this woman clothed with the sun is the glory of God on the nation of Israel because from that nation came the Lord Jesus. Some people teach and believe that God is through with the nation of Israel and that is not true. God is not through. They've been set aside because of unbelief. But the Bible is very clear that before Jesus comes back, they'll become a nation again. They did in 1948. God will begin to deal with them again. That seven-year period is God dealing with the nation of Israel again. And here's the thing you need to know uh, is that uh, however a nation treats Israel is the way that God will treat that nation. Any nation on earth is blessed or cursed based on what their leadership does with Israel. That's the reason, one of the things, I'm gonna be frank with you, I mean, one of the things I do when I vote for a president, all right, what's that administration gonna do with Israel? Because if they throw them to the side, throw them to the wind, so to speak, then we got trouble coming because you can't curse Israel and be blessed. I never say anything negative about Israel. I bless that place. You know how many? How many know you need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem? The psalmist said, "They will prosper that love thee." So if you're smart, stay on God's side. Don't be, as the old grandma said, "Don't be against him." Don't be against him, right? So again, it says here, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are their ancestors. Christ Himself was an Israelite as far as human nature is concerned, and He is God, the one who rules over everything and is worthy of our eternal praise. So that. That woman is the nation of Israel. The the sun is the glory of God on that nation because from that nation came the Messiah. Then it says, with the moon under her feet, feet. the sun is dominant in the sky and the moon is subservient to to the sun. The moon has no glory of its own. The moon is only a reflection of the sun. So the sun is representative of the nation of Israel and the glory glory that's on it. But the moon refers to the Gentile, non-Jewish nations of the earth. They're blessed only because Israel is here and the blessings of God come through them and filter down to those that will honor God's work and plan in the nation of Israel. At the end of the age, the nations of the world will be defeated when when, uh, they attack Israel at the final battle, the battle of Armageddon. Israel's victory over the nations is tied directly to God's final defeat of uh, Satan, Christ's final victory over the Antichrist. Satan's used the nations of the world, it's in the notes, to dominate Israel since it's beginning as a nation. Now Israel finally dominates the nations of the world. If you don't have my notes, go on our website, you can follow along with me. Then this woman who has the sun uh, around her head and the moon at her feet and on her head are is a garland or a crown of 12 stars. What is the crown of 12 stars? They represent the 12 sons of Jacob known as the 12 tribes of Israel. That's what those 12 stars are. The blessings of God came through Isaac's son, Jacob, not Esau. Jacob's name was changed to Israel when he wrestled with God one night. And so his children became the children of Israel, the 12 tribes. You just need to know that. The Bible is very clear about that. Revelation chapter 2, 12 verse 2. Then being with child. So here's a woman he saw in the heavens with the glory on her, the the moon at her feet, and the garland of stars, a crown of stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. So the metaphor of a woman giving birth What is that? It refers the pain. Here's a woman in pain. She's with child. Well, that's a metaphor talking about the persecution that God's people have endured all the way since the beginning of Israel, its inception as a nation, been terribly persecuted, and that incessant persecution is... uh, is, is, is spoken of here when it says that the woman's with child and she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Satan's attempted through the uh, hundreds, thousands of years of time to hinder the birth of the Christ child by destroying the nation of Israel. You look at the Old Testament, they constantly fell into sin, constantly fell into idolatry and their, their enemies began to defeat them. They were taken off of their land. Problem after problem with their flesh, problem after problem with idolatry because Satan absolutely hated the nation of Israel. And, and, and what was that? It was actually Satan seeking to snuff out that nation. I, I'm sure he may have even been laughing when, nation, when Israel was taken into Babylonian captivity in 586 BC, he was probably laughing and they stayed out of their land for 70, for 70 years and the walls around the city of Jerusalem crumbled and he was probably laughing because he thought, I won, I won. There'll never be a Messiah through that race of people. So you got to understand the persecutions over the generations of time have been because because the woman's gonna give birth to a child. The nation of Israel gave birth to our Savior. Jesus came. He's the offspring of, Dave, of David. He's the offspring of Abraham. How many hear me? The New Testament open up, opens up with these words. Matthew 1, 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Then it says the son of David, the son of Abraham. How many know Jesus was the physical offspring of King David and because of that Jesus is the legal heir to David's throne and he fulfills the Davidic covenant. How many hear me? Jesus also the offspring of Abraham and he fulfills the promises God made to Jacob and to Abraham that the entire world would be blessed through Abraham and his offspring. Jesus is the fulfillment of all of that. Genesis 28:14. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth speaking to Jacob you shall spread abroad to the west to the east to the north to the south and in you and in your seed all of the families of the earth shall be blessed how many know if you know Jesus you have a circumcised heart and you're a spiritual Jew and you are heir to the blessings of God all of Abraham's blessings belong to us how many know that's good news So when sickness tries to go and say, no, you don't, devil, not on me. I'm an heir of Abraham's blessing. And part of that was healing from disease and sickness. You say, well, I'm oppressed. Uh Uh-uh, you're free in Christ Jesus and you have the right to be free from satanic oppression and control in Jesus' name. How many hear me? God also blessed a a promise to prosper everything that Abraham set his hands to do. And in Abraham, God's also promised to bless you physically financially seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Sadly in our day, many people put financial blessing before everything else. You put God first, the blessings just come. You seek the blessing, not the blessor, right? So Revelation twelve three another sign appears in heaven. Behold, here's another. So here's the woman representing God's plan, God's purposes, culminating in Jesus the Messiah coming. Uh, the, the The children of Israel gave birth to Jesus, our Messiah. And so here's another sign in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven hands and ten horns, horns a gnarly looking creature, and seven diadems, seven crowns on his head. So. Again, this woman had 12 stars on her crown on her head. Here the dragon has seven heads and he's got a crown on each one of them. I mean, the devil's just trying to one-up God or something. He's trying to, you say, I'm bigger than you are. You got one, I got seven. Look at me, look at me. So again, the woman's all about redemption, getting mankind right with God. This red dragon is all about destroying man's fellowship with God and and is moving towards his own destiny of defeat. How many hear me? This dragon in verse nine of Revelation 12 is called the serpent of old. He's called the devil. He's called Satan. So really this dragon is Satan himself. He inspires the antichrist. He inspires all that's happening in the end times. And here he is with his gnarly self and his ugly looking dragon. He's manifested that way here in Revelation chapter 12. He's inspired all of the hatred geared towards the Uh, Israel and the Jews through the and then the church through the church ages and he also empowers the antichrist the seven heads watch this now the seven heads on the dragon represent seven empire a head stands for a kingdom it stands for it stands for a nation that rules other nations we call those empires so there are seven the bible reveals this and we'll go back to this later but the Bible reveals in Revelation 17, and we'll look at it in detail, there are seven empires or major nations that had an expansive control of the Middle East that also controlled Israel since the Israel's inception as a nation. Almost 3,000 years ago, there are seven empires that dominated Israel. So here's a dragon with seven heads. It's speaking of those seven empires or kingdoms that have dominated Israel since its beginning. And then then there are 10 horns uh, on the the, uh, heads of these dragons. The 10 horns represent 10 kings that have ruled over. There's seven empires, but there's there's 10 kings that have ruled over all of them. But I'll have time to get into all of that tonight. It's not necessary. A horn in the Bible refers to strength, representing the strength of a king, over his kingdom. So the horns are really talking about actual kings over these varying empires. There's seven empires. And again, when we go over Revelation 17, and you wanna hear this because because it's starting to come to pass. There are seven seven empires that have ruled over the nation of Israel over the past 3,000 years. It's inception as a nation. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, Rome. And then the seventh one is the Western Byzantine Empire, which was the Western Roman Empire and it became the Islamic Empire uh, and uh, the Islamic Caliphate ruled over, ruled over uh, Israel for almost 500 years from 1453 AD till after World War I. And listen to this, Revelation 17 reveals that that last empire that ruled over Israel is gonna reemerge and we see it happening today. So come back and we'll be talking about some of that in the future. So we'll address these when we get to Revelation 17. Revelation 12, four, his tail, his dragon's tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, threw them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. The dragon or Satan took uh, with him a third of the angels. The stars refer to the angels of heaven when he failed. And uh, you know, you can read about Satan's, uh, um, dissolution from heaven is fall from heaven in Isaiah uh, 14 Ezekiel 28 we don't have a lot of revelation about that but uh, uh, Satan led an insurrection against God in heaven in eternity past we don't know how long ago that's been it's before the creation of the present earth Or or the or the the revamping of the earth and our our present social structure, but this in eternity past and and you know he went to heaven and he began to he began to gossip against God and slander God's name before the angels of heaven. Now, if you want to know something, God hates. God hates gossip. Gets quiet when he preach about that. And he hates slander. He hates rebellion because it got Satan, one of his most beautiful creations, got him kicked out of heaven. At least a third of the angels went with him. Now, that ought to encourage you that two-thirds stayed with God. And that means there's a whole bunch more with us than are with with the devil. Is that good news? So anyway, uh, so anyway, the the tail drew a third of the stars uh, of heaven, threw them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman, who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. And so again, uh, right surrounding Jesus' birth, you can go to Matthew chapter 2, it's really clear that you know, God had to give dreams to Joseph a few times and say, get out of Jerusalem, don't listen to the wise men, they're going to try to kill the Christ child. Uh, the children ages two and under, uh, right after Jesus were born, were killed. And all of this was Satan's plot to snuff out the purposes of God. And that's what it's saying here. The dragon stood before the woman, stood before uh, the woman who was ready to give birth. That's talking about Jesus at his birth to devour her child. He wanted to kill him as soon as he was born, but he just couldn't do it. So again, Satan has tried through the centuries of time to hinder God's plan by persecuting the nation of Israel, culminating in persecuting the church in our age. Galatians 4, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. So again, Revelation 12, 5, uh, she bore a male child. So here it is. This woman, she gave birth to a male child. Who is that? Jesus the Christ, that's right, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was called up to God and to his throne. Here's what you gotta know about the Bible. The prophets will speak, or somebody have a dream or vision like like John did in the Isle of Patmos, and they'll see one area of history and then God may skip hundreds of years or thousands of years and he'll show something totally different so 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 and things are left out and that's what's happened right here so it says a male child who was to rule the nations well when Jesus was born he didn't immediately rule the nations what did he do he had to grow up as a baby he had a ministry he had to suffer he had to die He had to be raised from the dead and then finally he ascended to the right hand of the father and then finally he comes back in his second coming and that's when he's gonna rule the nations with a rod of iron, you get it? And that's what it's referring to, that whole thing. But again, the focus of the, of the book of Revelation, the focus of what God was showing John on the Isle of Patmos. The focus was the end times. The focus was Jesus' return. So he didn't mention Jesus' ministry, his birth, his ministry, his death, his resurrection. He didn't his, He didn't talk about it all. He just talked about him ruling. Listen to Psalm 2. Y'all okay? We'll get through this quickly. Listen to Psalm 2. This is a song of the Messiah's triumph in his kingdom. Psalm 2. Why are the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? This is talking about the future when Jesus comes back. The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Let's talk about the Antichrist and all the nations that come against Israel at the final battle. Uh, let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. We don't want to listen to his rules, his laws, his way. We want to do what we want to do. Sounds like today, doesn't it? But the one who rules in heaven's la- in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you're my son today. I become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. That's when Jesus comes back. The final battle, the battle of Armageddon and the nations that come against Jesus are completely defeated. Is that good news to you? Yes, it is. Now then you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear. Rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son. Or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities; for his anger flares up in an instant, but what joy for all who take refuge in him revelation twelve six the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God, that she should feed her, that they should feed her there one thousand two hundred sixty days. The last part of that seven years that God showed Daniel, we call the tribulation time, last three and a half years when the Antichrist turncoats and desecrates the rebuilt Jewish temple, uh, that's what this is talking about. The woman is the nation of Israel. And uh, there's some severe persecution of Christians and Jews coming once the Antichrist comes to rule and in the Middle East particularly. And, and, and in fact, Jesus said in Matthew 24, starting with verse 16 through the next few verses, he told the Jews in, in uh, Jerusalem, he said, he said, man, uh, flee to the hills. When this happens, run for your life because uh, the enemy is gonna try to persecute you. And there are a number of Jews that are gonna be protected by God. We know from Revelation 7, at least 144,000, 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel that are gonna be protected by God and they're gonna go to a particular place in Israel and be protected from the wrath of the Antichrist and actually survive all of those hellish years when the wrath of God falls and when, and when the Antichrist tries to do all of his diabolical stuff. Revelation twelve seven through 9, a war broke out in heaven. Watch this. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now listen, really care, everybody with me? Eyeballs on me, listen, what's this? So what this just says is, listen, we get some illumination as what's gonna be happening during the last half of these seven years and why it's gonna be so hard on planet Earth and why Jesus called that time period after the Antichrist desecrates the rebuilt Jewish temple, the abomination, the desolation, while well, he calls it the great tribulation and unless those days were short and no believers could even survive. The reason he says that is because, you remember in Ephesians 6 where Paul, it was revealed to Paul that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places? Well, see, there's a, there, there's a whole, uh, there are layers of demonic forces that surround the earth's atmosphere like a cloud canopy of darkness. And there are principalities and powers, rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual wickedness in high places. He's called the prince of the power of the air. Satan is in Ephesians chapter two. Watch this, so there's a fight, a war somewhere around this time when the antichrist uh, breaches his covenant with israel and turns against them there's a war in the heavenlies michael and his angels that work with him he's the good one on god's side they fight against the dragon and uh, satan and all of his emissaries and they're literally taken out they're literally taken out of their places in the heavenlies they're no longer allowed to rule over the earth with that cloud canopy of darkness but the bad thing is they hit the earth. And so the people of that time, not only do they have to deal with a normal fallen man's nature, they also have to deal with fallen angels that have fallen from the heavenlies. They won't be able to see them, but they'll make a really nasty, terrible atmosphere here. And that's part of the thing that creates the great, Tribulation that Jesus says is going to be so intense that no saved, no believers would be saved. So you got to understand that this is what this is revealing. So y'all, now it's time to shore ourselves up. We may be here for the first part of this, but pretty soon, beam me up, Scotty happens, and we're going up to heaven in the rapture. Is that good news? So anyway, um, Satan, you know, he's just a mess. Revelation twelve ten. I heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brother who accused them before our God. Day and night has been cast down. See, he had a hierarchy. He had a reign and hierarchy over the uh, atmosphere of the earth. It was broken down by Michael the archangel and his angel, angelic forces. And so, you know, here verse 10, they're thanking God that this reign is, is quickly coming to an absolute Close Satan's cast down to the earth this again begins the great tribulation Jeremiah called this time Jacob's trouble uh, Jeremiah 30 verse 7 and last for the great day has come so none there is none like it it's the time of Jacob's trouble but it, he shall be saved out of it so it's just, it's just a terrible time then verses 11 and 12 Revelation 12 they overcame him uh the dragon and his emissaries by the blood of the lamb everybody say the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, did not love their lives to death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you. They fell from the heavenlies, having great wrath because he knows he has but a short time. There'll be martyrs during that great tribulation time who give their lives uh, for what they believe. It looks like they're defeated when they die, but you know what? In dying, how many know you live? Uh, satan thought he whipped jesus but jesus was resurrected and thank god we we take part in that resurrection as well isn't that good news and so again uh the blood of the lamb now i want to take time but i i got to move on we have authority over the devil by the blood of the lamb anytime a demon spirit anytime in anybody anywhere on earth i've ever encountered them when i start talking about the blood of jesus they hit the road they manifest and i command them to come out so if the devil tries to mess with you, you feel oppression, depression, say, Satan, in the name of Jesus, I stand against you. Leave me in Jesus' name and by his blood. When you say blood, they wah, 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 and they run. Just what happens. Revelation 12, 13. Now, when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, watch this. Here's what happens. He fell from the heavenlies and all that. Those principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the, uh, of the earth literally fell from heaven, hit the dirt here, when the dragon saw it being cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. That is, that, that, that's the great tribulation. That's the serious persecution of Jews and Christians during the latter three and a half years before, uh, latter three and a half years of the seven years and, and the church will be in part of that. And so again, um, you know, he's persecuting Jews, he's persecuting uh, Christians, it's a terribly, terribly dark hour on planet Earth. Revelation twelve fourteen. We're just about done. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle. Let's talk is about Israel. The woman is Israel, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she's nourished for a time, times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So right after uh, the Antichrist turns coats on Israel and desecrates a rebuilt Jewish temple, somehow God puts a haunting device in His people Israel that are living in the area of Jerusalem and, and Israel and they, and they just make a beeline to a desert location. Some, and I've looked at several of the commentators, they feel like this may be southern Jordan to the area of Petra. You know, there's a place there that will hold thousands of people. They're gonna be somewhere where the Antichrist just will not get to them. So again, as I've said previously in Matthew 24, starting at verse 16, Jesus tells the Jews, pray that your flights not when it's cold and you're gonna have a hard time if you're a nursing mother because you gotta run for your life. And that's what he's telling the Jews that are here when the Antichrist turncoats. And this is that time when the enemy's actually fallen to the earth and it just really makes it a terrible time. Re- Revelation 12:15 said, so the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after a woman that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. So Satan, so so Satan opens his mouth, and this is what John saw, and water flooded out of his mouth to the woman or to Israel, trying to wipe children out. And anything I've read about this, it looks as though the floods refer to an army that pursues Israel as they're going into the wilderness. And it looks like the Antichrist and his, his emissary are going to defeat Israel, but something happens, and God protects them. They're being trapped. And then Revelation 12, 16, but the earth helped the woman Israel and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood of the army which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. Now I can't find anybody that knows what, how, how how the earth is gonna help Israel overcome the armies of the Antichrist. Nobody really seems to know it could be a major earthquake that occurs during the time. You know, in Israel's time, they would have battles and some strange event would occur and then the enemy would lose the battle because God just used the forces of nature to counteract the the uh, uh, onslaught of the enemy, and God could do that easily with an earthquake. Well, I, we, we you know we we may or may not be here to see that. So again, um, nonetheless, the Antichrist will be unable to get to the Jewish believers because God protects them. The last verse in the in Revelation twelve, the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring. I mean, Satan instills the Antichrist and his followers with just absolute total hatred for Israel and then also, <coughs> excuse me, absolute total hatred for the church of the Lord Jesus. Understand again, we'll be here for a brief period of time. Uh, the Great Tribulation, will be here for the Great Tribulation after that three and a half year turncoating of uh, Antichrist towards Israel. In the, in the Jewish temple. We'll be here to see that and and we'll be heirs of that persecution according to where you live on earth as to how serious and severe that persecution is. But nonetheless, it's fairly clear. Satan gets so angry because God protects Israel, he begins to go and, and, and goes to war with the rest of the woman's offspring. That's the church, y'all. We're actually still here. That's before the rapture of the church. So nonetheless, um, You know, uh, those that are we are here. God, God, God. Some way will take care of us. Some of us may lose our lives. The question that I leave with myself with this is this: Is am I ready to walk with God and live for God, even if it costs me my life? If somebody comes up to me and says, and, "and say no to Jesus," or I kill you right now, am I willing to say pull the trigger or brandish the sword? I'll never recant. You need Jesus. Would, I be will, would you be willing to do that? So what I think is, if I can't live for him now, I probably won't die for him then. So right now, it's a real time of consecration and dedication. There's some crazy things going to be happening on this planet in the not-too-distant future. We're right at the beginning stages. We're not in the tribulation yet, you know, but it's coming. And, and this just shows you, this chapter is really, really cool. It shows God's plan of redemption from the beginning to the end that God set up Jesus to come through the nation of Israel. God fulfilled his promises to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. God has blessed the human race through Abraham and through, and through uh, the offspring of Abraham and David, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And through Jesus, we can, we can weather every storm. We can overcome every problem. And through Jesus, the son, one day we'll stand before the throne of God. Are you glad about that? Lord, thank you for your word, thank you for your promises, thank you that you've not left us alone, you've not left us without understanding of things that will take place. So I pray for me and all of us as we're in this time period, just before all of this begins, Lord, I ask you, put it in our hearts to obey you above all things in the name of Jesus. Prepare us, Lord, for the days ahead of us. And Lord, let the light that's inside of us shine very, very brightly. Let the salt that Jesus has called us to be, let it be very, very strong. Make us a blessing to others and prepare us, Lord, for the days ahead of us. We pray for our friends, our families, our coworkers, those who live around us. Lord, we pray for our children, our grandchildren. We pray that they would accept Jesus as their Savior from sin. Use us, Lord, as that team of people. Jesus called laborers that go into our communities and share the gospel with every creature. Give us boldness to do that. Give us boldness, Lord, to walk with you today. In Jesus' name, glory to God.